0: You know, one of the unique aspects of our society, in fact, just about every Western society and civilization is our emphasis on individualism. When you look at various civilizations throughout the history of the world, you find that most civilizations are more collective in their approach to identity and relationships. When you look at Western societies like ours, what you find is a shift to more of an individualistic approach whereby we define identity and success based more on individual achievement and individual accomplishment than we do fitting in to the larger perspective of the whole. In fact, I read an article recently that talked about this and there were a few quotes from this that I thought were helpful for our topic today. Quote, individualistic cultures are those that stress the needs of the individual over the needs of the group as a whole. In this type of culture, people are seen as independent and autonomous. Social behavior tends to be dictated by the attitudes and preferences of individuals. Cultures in North America and Western Europe tend to be individualistic. And in these cultures, people are considered good if they are strong, self-reliant, assertive, and independent. This contrasts with collectivist cultures where characteristics like being self-sacrificing, dependable, generous, and helpful to others are of greater importance, end quote. Now, as you hear that, expert analysis on the individualistic aspect of Western societies like ours, it's striking that even in this description, you find a tug of war between what we deal with in terms of our day to day in the United States and what we come into when we gather together as the church, because these two approaches are radically different. For the Christ follower, Even though we live in a very individualistic culture, when we come into the church, we we don't find a community defined by autonomy or self-reliance or independence, do we? No, actually we find a community that's gathering in a manner that is self-sacrificing, dependable, generous, and helpful to others. (laughs) It's a huge shift when we step out of our American Western society into the culture of the body of Christ, because what God does in us is cultivate a desire and a longing to be with others, to commune with others, to serve with others, to think of others and to be a blessing to others. And so for many of us, that's a shift. That's a cultural shift out of what we are raised in Compared to what we're saved to be involved in. <laughs> but you know, this has always been God's design. You can go all the way back to the father of the Jewish people, Abraham. And what do you find in Abraham? And God's earliest promises to Abraham, what do you find? Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to all peoples. We are blessed to be a blessing. We find even at the very beginning of creation, if I could go back to, to actually the very beginning of it all, you, you find, this is interesting, that loneliness is the first sad reality of the created order. You ever think about that? Loneliness is the first sad reality of the created order. God created man. Man the crowning jewel of creation, right? He created a human being who's unique because of the fact that he's created in the image of God. But after God creates man, he looks at him and he says what? He says, it is not good that this man be alone. Because if he's left alone, he will be forced into a life where he will just get up in the morning and put on wrinkled clothing and eat fast food to and from work and other activities and largely mismanage his finances and his life. And so the Lord says, it is not good for a man to be alone. Of course, the Lord's talking about companionship here. And he says, so I will create one for the man who is suitable for him. What does that mean? One who also bears the image of God, who is equal in significance and who can provide true relational companionship. Loneliness was the first sad reality of the created order. And so God solved it by creating, not just man, of course, but woman. We look at Jesus and his life and ministry. What happened to Jesus just before he went to the cross? Well, he pulled aside into the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, if you recall, and, and what did he do there? He spent time in prayer. He was overwhelmed by the reality that he was about to face, where he would take on literally the sins of the world. And so when Jesus in that solitary moment needed to spend time in prayer, talking to his father, what did he do? He told the disciples to stay and also to pray. And then he took three with him so that he wasn't alone. Even Jesus treasured the companionship of those who were with him. He took Peter, James, and John. You see, loneliness is not God's design for you or me. We are created for companionship. We are meant to be together, to serve together, and to glorify God together. In fact, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to jot that down. Just a very simple truth and takeaway, that you and I are meant to be together, to serve together, and to glorify God together. God has saved you if you grew up in an American society like I did, okay? If you grew up in in this culture of which we are a part, listen, God has saved you really out of an individualistic culture and society into a body of fellowship, of togetherness, of collective energy and giftedness and service, whereby together we glorify God. You are not meant to be alone. You are not meant to serve alone. You are not meant to go it alone. No, God has saved you and gifted you to be together, to serve together, and to glorify God together. And as we think about regathering and we think about relaunching a number of our ministries and our key initiatives, in fact, looking toward the future, as we take on new initiatives, as we carry on strategic initiatives that we've had for many, many years, it's imperative that every single one of you understand just how important you are. And my goal this morning is that every single one of you in this room and every single one of you watching us online, that you understand, that you process this, how important you are to God and to this fellowship of believers. Because loneliness and isolation is never God's design. We are meant to be together together to serve together and to glorify God together. Now, this is the concern of a guy named Paul who wrote much of the New Testament and and, and, and encountered a certain type of division and isolationism, even in the early church. If you have a copy of God's word with you today, I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12. You'll find it midway through the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 12, as, as Paul addresses this very important truth to the Corinthian church. Why does he address it? Because they were experiencing division over the fact that there were some that wanted to be highlighted and esteemed above and over others. It's, it's fascinating that you, you have this early in the church's history, a type of division that has surfaced because you have some people who, who wanted to serve in certain roles and they wanted certain gifts and certain opportunities and they were almost stepping over others to, to, to achieve what they wanted to achieve. And, and, and there was confusion about which gifts and which areas of service in the context of the church were most important. And, and they, there was like a hierarchy kind of thing. And, and you had division over this. You see, disunity and division and fracturing is just part and parcel of being a fallen human being. (laughs) And even here in the early days of the church, they were experiencing some pretty foolish division. And so Paul uses a very strategic analogy to communicate God's design of togetherness and how every single one of us hold strategic importance no matter our role or our gifts. We pick it up in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 12. Check this out. Paul's gonna use the analogy of a human body. Look at what he says here. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. And then he says something radical here. He says, so it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, and some of us are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. Now look how radical this is. Don't just read over this and some like, oh, okay, biblical teaching, I've seen this before. No, 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 think about process, how radical this is. That within the church, within the body of Christ, from its earliest days, you have men and women who are radically changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and grafted into his church, his bride, his body, no matter the color of their skin, no matter the status that they carry in their society. Listen, all are one and are one together through the body of Jesus and the power of his Holy Spirit. This is radical, right? This is radical. You have Jews and Gentiles coming together, getting the same promises, the same salvation, the same heaven, the same spirit. You have slaves at this time in this society coming together with free men and when they walk into the doors of the church, so to speak, because they are the church, guess what? There is no distinction between the two. They have the same Lord, the same spirit, the same heaven. This is radical. One of the beautiful things about the body of Christ is that even though the body has many parts and is composed of many people, we are one. One and it is the church that carries the gospel that is the cure for racism. It is the church that carries the gospel that is the cure to isolationism. It is the church that carries the gospel that is the cure for all discrimination. Because whenever a man, woman, boy, or girl come into contact with the saving power of Jesus Christ and and looks to the power of Jesus for salvation and is grafted into his bride, his body, the church, listen, every single man, woman, boy, and girl become a part of the whole for we are one. We have one Lord. Yes, yes. We have one Lord. We have one Savior. We have one Holy Spirit that unites us. This is radical. But there have been churches throughout the years. The Corinthian church is one of them (laughs) that struggle with this. There have been churches divided over secondary theological matters, divided over race, divided over politics, but this is not God's design. Listen to Paul's encouragement. He says, listen, we are, we, we are a, a body with many parts, but we are one body, one savior. We have one mission. This is the reason, by the way, some of you who maybe were saved out of a family that doesn't know the Lord, it, it, it's the reason that, that you quickly make friends who feel closer to you in Christ than even some of your blood relatives because of the power of what is shared among believers. It's the reason why every single one of you should go on a mission trip if you haven't already. Because you know what happens when you go overseas and you worship with the people for the very first time that you've never met, that you don't know? Sometimes you're worshiping in a different language. You know what happens immediately from walking into that worship experience? You feel a bond and a connectivity that cannot be explained except for the power of the Holy Spirit. And those of you who've experienced that know exactly what I'm talking about. You, 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 you come into a room with people you've met for the very first time, some of them you haven't met at all, and they begin to sing, they begin to praise, they begin to worship, they begin to gather around the word, and even though you may not speak the language and you might be listening through uh, an interpreter, guess what, you feel right at home, why? Because they have the same Lord, the same faith, the same spirit, and are preaching the same gospel. <laughs> you see, the church is not a building The church is not an organization. The church is a people who formulate a body, a living organism that gives life. We are one. We are many parts. We carry many functions. As we will see, we have many roles, but make no mistake about it, we are one. This is our vision for multi-site ministry at Bell Shoals. We have five campuses in five locations, reaching five different peoples who are strategically located across West Central Florida, guess what? We are one faith family. We have one hope, one savior one mission we are part of the same movement listen everything we are doing we are doing as a body that is one not divided by race no we are a healing place for racism we are not discriminatory in our approach we welcome all who come to the saving power of Jesus we are grafted together from different backgrounds different personalities different upbringings different ethnicities but when gather in this place we gather together to serve Together and to glorify God together because we have the same word, the same faith, the same Lord, the same gospel, the same mission, the same purpose. We are one. You see, you are extremely important. And you are important as you function in context, not just of your own individual self, but the whole, because the whole body has many parts, but we have one body, one fellowship. And so Paul continues now to to talk about how these parts begin to to be viewed and then to function together. Look what he says in verse 14. He says, yes, the body is one, but it has different parts, not just one. And if the foot says, for an example, "I, I am not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? No. And if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Paul says, no, we are one, but we are one with many parts and many roles. Let me encourage you, whatever your role, whatever your giftedness, whatever your passions, however the Lord is using you, you have strategic importance. For the Corinthians, they were making the foolish mistake of thinking, well, you know what? I don't have this role, so I'm not as important. Some said, you know what? I want this role. I want to be seen. I, I wanna be upfront kind of thing. You know, they, they, they had selfish motivations for what they were doing. Paul saying, hold up, you need to understand. No, 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 we are one together, but we are one with many parts and every single part has a role and is vitally important. Paul here is emphasizing the importance of every single part, not just the ones that are more visible. You see, without question, some are more visible and more strategic for public service, but this does not negate the importance of every single person, every single gift, every single role. That's why he talks about the eyes, he talks about the ears, he talks about the nose and the sense of smell. Listen, we understand, we compliment people for the beauty of their eyes. Do you know what we don't do? We don't compliment people for the beauty of their earlobes. <laughs> Any of you ever do that? I don't recommend you try it, it'd be weird, okay? If you do try it, don't blame it on me, all right? You don't walk up to somebody and say, hey, excuse me, um, I'm, I'm sorry to bother you, but you have the most gorgeous earlobes I have ever seen. I mean, how many earrings can you fit in that thing? That is gorgeous. We don't do that, all right? Now we see that in the Bible, in places we look back, for instance, the Song of Solomon. We see the groom complimenting his bride in ways I also don't recommend. Remember what he said there: "Turn your eyes away, for they overpower me. Your hair falls in waves. Sometimes we compliment hair; they're like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead." Here's my favorite, we don't do this. I don't recommend you do this. Your teeth are as white as sheep that are freshly washed. Your smile is flawless, baby. Each tooth matched with its twin. <laughs> you realize what he's saying, don't you? Baby, your teeth are white. Hey, hey, not, not just that they white, you got all of them. <laughs> they all have a twin. There are things we compliment, things we don't compliment. We look at someone's eyes, at times they stand out to us. We don't compliment earlobes or noses. I can tell you, I've never gotten a compliment on my nose. Maybe you have on yours. I have not got one on mine. There are some parts, some roles that are more visible. They're more easily seen, that's what Paul's saying. But look what else he's saying here. But every part has strategic importance. If we were all eyes, we wouldn't make up much of a body. If we were all ears, there would be no sense of smell. Look what he's saying here. We are one. We are one body. We're one fellowship. We are one people. We have the same Lord, the same mission, the same spirit, but we are many and how the Lord uses us and every single one of us have a role to play, a part to play. And and we have gifts that, that God's given to us to accentuate the part that we play, the role that we share. And that's great. That's important. We're all needed and necessary. Are you with me? And then he goes on, look at verse 18 here and he's talking about how we function then. He says, look, our bodies, yes, have many parts and God has put each part, check this out. God's put each part where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. (laughs) Yeah, that would be weird. Some arm walking around, just an arm. He says, yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. This speaks to function. Not every part is equally visible or strategic, but they work in conjunction with each other. This is the beauty of God's design. People of different ethnicities, different backgrounds, different personalities, different gifts, all functioning together to glorify our Savior. We need every single one of us. This is how we function when we work in conjunction with each other. You know what I think of here? Seriously, I think of a football team. We all tend to focus on the quarterback, especially here in Tampa right now. We're focused on the quarterback. We got the goat, baby. We got the greatest of all time. But the quarterback can't do it by himself, can he? He's gotta have an offensive line to protect him. He's gotta have wide receivers like myself to to help. And, Y'all are not very encouraging to my gifts here, okay? I will have you know, I won a flag football tournament when I was a seminary student, okay? Yes, Was was I there with a bunch of other seminary geeks? Yeah, but I trashed them all, baby, okay? They went down. And I have repeatedly reached out to the Tampa Bay organization to offer my services. Nobody's called back yet. But Tom Brady needs an offensive line, doesn't he? He needs receivers, he needs a defense. And you know what? This is what I think of when I I think of 1 Corinthians 12, because I come from a sports background, I I think of the lowly kicker. I just wanna say a word to the kickers today. If you're a kicker, meaning you're not very good at sports. Okay, listen, if you're a kicker, all right? No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Man, the kicker's either the hero or the goat, not greatest of all time, the go-go, right? I mean, you're like the hero or the villain. But, but here's what I think of when I think about what Paul's saying in terms of function. He's, he's saying here, listen, we're not one part, we're many parts, one body. And, and, and the eye can't say, I don't need you to the hand. And the, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. You know what Tom Brady can't say to the kicker, I don't need you. Because when, when, when there's four seconds left in the game and you're down one and the ball's on the 25 yard line, you better have a good kicker. Now, nobody, nobody pays much attention to the kicker, except at the end of the game when you need that ball to go through the uprights. And of course you have to have a quarterback, that's key. You don't want, you don't want a team full of kickers out there, trust me. <laughs> but you gotta have a good kicker and you gotta have an offensive line. Listen, how about our rays and our lightning? How amazing is this right now? Come on, come on. I also requested to have the Stanley Cup with me today. You see how far I got on that too, all right? I'm 0 for 2. Listen, you got to have, you got to have all-star. You got to have guys hitting the ball over the fence. But you know what else you need if you're the Rays, which we got, you, got, you better have a reliever who can come in and get you three outs. That's not the same role as a starter, okay? He, he's not there to get you 15, 20 out, no, 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 but I tell you, you better have somebody come in and get you two outs when the bases are loaded and there's only one out. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, okay? We're also gonna have a sports-only life group that meets in two weeks from now. I'm gonna explain all my analogies to you, okay? <laughs> listen to what Paul is saying. Now let's apply this. Let's listen to what he's saying here to the church. Listen to me very carefully. We're all on the same team. We all have the same jersey. We don't all have the same role. And I'm grateful that here at Bell Shoals, you know what? We have some dynamic people who serve us every single week on this stage. Listen, we have a dynamic worship team. I don't know if you noticed, we, we kicked off the service day with uh, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus, a great, great hymn. That, that was completely written and arranged by, by our team, and they had the banjo in the back. And I, I don't know, Jason, what were you playing? Oh, it's a mandolin. That is awesome. I thought maybe you put a guitar in the washing machine and shrunk. I didn't know what that was. Listen, man, that's awesome. But you know what? We couldn't do what we do in terms of delivering dynamic worship to those in the room and online without an incredible creative and media team in the back that makes it all happen. You need both. Listen, we have some incredible life group leaders. And if you're not yet in a life group in two weeks, you're gonna have a great opportunity to jump in one. We're gonna have the best pre-packaged snacks in the history of Christianity, all right? We have some incredible life group leaders, but you know what? People wouldn't know how to get to those classrooms without a dynamic first impressions volunteer team to help get them there. You need both. Because you know what? A lot of people who visit Bell Shoals, and we're seeing a lot of people visit Bell Shoals, they won't come back if they're not greeted out there in that parking lot, they're not welcome, they don't feel good even before they ever walk in this room. And we have a dynamic team that serves that makes that possible. You know what? We, we have phenomenal kids ministry staff. We've got a dedicated team who's working really hard toward November 1st. You know what? If we don't have some incredible kids many t- ministry teachers and volunteers, it doesn't matter how hard the staff works, because they can't manage every room on their own. You see what I'm saying? We are one body, one fellowship. We have one Lord, one savior, one mission, one purpose, one gospel, one hope for the nations, but we are many parts and here Paul's saying these parts function together as members of the same team in different roles and it's okay if your role isn't the same as somebody else's role it's okay if your role doesn't get the same recognition as somebody else's role that's okay delight in the in the, in the gift and in the role that God has given to you in the season he's given it to you and let God use you how he's gifted you to use you because when the whole body and every part works together it doesn't matter who gets the credit as long as that body is healthy. When you're healthy, you're not worried about walking around, you know, like giving credit to different parts that make you healthy. You're just glad to be healthy. And that's the same with the body of Christ. Let me wrap up. Look at verse 22. Look how Paul concludes it. So he says, look, look this is how he lands a plane. He says, so in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important actually are the most necessary. I love that. That's what I'm saying. You may not be in a role that, get, that gets a lot of uh, hand clapping. You know what I'm saying? That's okay. Look at Paul saying. Look, some parts that seem the weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts that we regard as less honorable are those that we actually clothe with the greatest care. And so we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. And so God has put the body together in such a way that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. And this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Paul's talking about like when you get dressed in the morning, you spend the majority of your time focused on how you're going to cover your most immodest parts. <laughs> and let me thank you for that, <laughs> right? Think about, you, you, don't, you don't spend a half an hour every single morning focused on how you're gonna cover up your hands. No, actually you, you focus the most of your time and energy on how you're gonna clothe, as Paul says, those parts that are less honorable. And, and that's healthy. He's saying every part is equally important. Every part has a strategic purpose. Every part functions with the whole, not individualistically, as the whole, to advance and promote the health of the body. Every role Every gift is important to making the whole function in a healthy manner. Let me say it one more time. You are important. You matter to Belle Shoals. You matter to King Jesus. You matter to the body of Christ. We need you. In fact, this is a good reminder for us as we come back to our pre-COVID schedule, listen, the wearing of masks as we're walking in and out is a blessing to others and those who are more vulnerable, being mindful of spacing, be patient and understanding with policy and with each other in a unique situations. So listen, we're all going to do everything we can what? To, to help the whole to move forward in strategic health. That's what we do. And so every single one of us matter, and we need every single one of you. May, may I just give you this word of encouragement? if every single one of us focus on using our gifts, on leveraging our influence, on, 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 on being generous and gracious and intentional with what God has entrusted to us, listen to me, th- there is nothing I believe that Bell Shoals cannot accomplish. If every single one of us if the thousands of us who make up the body of Christ here at Bell Shoals, listen, if all of us focus on utilizing all that God has given to us, there's no stopping us. Because Jesus has given us that promise that he's gonna build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We need you. Say, so well, you know what? I don't think I'd be good on stage. That's okay. We can't just have a church filled with people who are great on stage. We need a church of people who are good at a lot of different things. You say, I don't know if I can lead a life group. That's okay. Can you, can you shake someone's hand? Well, no, because if we're in COVID, that was a trick question. Okay, can you smile at somebody? Okay, no, because you're wearing a mask. Okay, can you wave? Yes, you can wave. Serving on our first impressions team has never been easier. All you have to do is wave. That's right, all you have to do is wave. Welcome to Bell Shoals. You don't even have to put on any lipstick or anything. My point is every single one of you matter. Every single one of you are important and we need every single one of you because we have the same jersey. Now this just so happens to be an Ohio State football jersey. <laughs> it's the only one I had available, okay? Are we gonna be wearing these in heaven? Yes, but that's not my point here today. That's not my, that's not my point here today, okay? Ignore that part of it. All right, listen to me. We we're on the same team. We're all wearing the same jersey. And on the front of this jersey, all right, is, is certainly not Ohio State. It's, it's not even Bell Schultz. You know what's across the name of our jersey? One name, the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is what's on the front of our jersey. That's who we belong to. And so let me say a few things, I'm done. First of all, some of you here today, you, you, you're serving, you're active, you've been active for years. Can I, can I just encourage you today, keep serving. And keep serving in a way with humility for the sake of the whole, not just the part of your world that you're most passionate about. Hey, let's serve for the good of the whole, let's keep serving for the good of the whole. Hey, can I, can I encourage some of you some of you who know Jesus, been saved by Jesus, trusting in Jesus, baptized as a part of our faith family. Listen, can I, can I encourage you though? Can I encourage you to take your jersey, put it on, and get in the game? Get in the game. Maybe you you're not serving at all. You're not connected at all. You're, you're, not, in a, you're not in a small group. You're you're just a consumer at this point. And, and And we're grateful that you're here. Listen, I'm grateful those of you watching us online and we look forward to having you back with us. God, God's purpose for the church is not individualistic in and that, in that we're made just to worship online only. No, 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 the body has to be the body. So I hope, look forward to a time we get all of you back, but when you get back, can I encourage you? Can I encourage you to start thinking this way? Hey, get in the game. There's room for every single one of you on the field. Some of you were like, no, I was picked last for my kickball team. I never got on the field. <laughs> hey, I'm not talking about fifth grade, all right? I'm telling you, when, when Jesus saves you, when he clothes you with his Holy Spirit and his righteousness, he's got a spot for you on the field. And I love to help facilitate that. Lastly, for some of you, hey, can I encourage you, put on the jersey. You may be here today, you know what? You've never put your faith in Jesus for your salvation. You're trusting in your own works, your own righteousness, your own religious tradition, whatever. I, you know, for some of you, hey, you know what? You're here today and you're like, man, I, I need this Jesus in my life. I need this purpose. I need his salvation. I need his forgiveness. mean, there's good news for you today. Jesus will save anyone and everyone that looks to him. And maybe today hey, you can put the jersey on. So how do I do that? Very simply, all you, all you have to do is acknowledge your sin before Jesus, your desperate need for him, believe, that that he lived and he died for you and he rose from the dead. He conquered sin, hell, and the grave. And if you ask him to come into your life and to save you today, guess what? He'll do that.